0: You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives. Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome directome Hi everyone, I'm Sam and I am a uh, biochemistry graduate student and uh, one of the proteins I work with I've have some trouble finding online. And, and I need to kind of explain this because it's it's an issue about its name. So the protein I work with, I call it GRIP, short for GRIP94, which is short for uh, glucose regulated protein 94, I think. Uh, again, I just call it GRIP. Um, and it's called the 94 is because it has a mass of 94 kilodaltons. So kilodaltons is like what we weigh proteins with, sort of. They're the the unit of weight that we refer to when we refer to atoms, so a dalton is the weight of one hydrogen atom. So okay, that that so far makes sense. It does things when glucose comes into a cell. Um, uh, and it also goes by another name more broadly, is that it's an Hsp90. So it's a 90 kilodalton, because we're rounding to the first one discovered um, protein, and it's a heat shock protein, so Hsp stands for. So it's a bit like... Um, well, it's a way we stress out bacteria as we change the temperature. It's like if you were happily sitting outside on a cold day, someone jammed you into a sauna and then pulled you out, you'd be unhappy. You'd say that you were maybe heat-shocked. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's, what we do to, that's what we do to proteins. Um, well, that's what we do to get these proteins. We'll heat-shock a cell like a bacterial cell, and then they'll make heat-shock proteins. So that's why they got their name. But here's the problem. I go to look this up on a protein database, and it's not called any of these things. So this is a big protein database called Uniprot. It's supposed to be like all of the proteins we've ever discovered. And the first time I went looking for it, I couldn't figure out where it was. And the reason is because they call it endoplasmin. Wait, what? Which, yeah, it's not a name I've ever actually called it. It's not a name that anyone in the field, as far as I know, has called it in a long, long time. And it sounds like something that the Ghostbusters would say. Wait, how do you spell that? Endoplasmin?
1: Endoplasmin? E-N-D-O
0: p-l-a-s-m-i-n. Interesting. And
1: okay.
0: I don't know. It sounds like something out of Ghostbusters, right? It's like, it's like, oh, you know, it's like they're tracking down a spectral trianosaurus rex and it has left a trail of endoplasmin. I know it's yeah. ectoplasm, but <laughs> it's like, what yeah. on earth? Um, and so, yeah, I, I've just had to kind of come to terms with the fact that this protein that nobody calls endoplasmin, when I have to go look it up in this one database goes by that name. Um, and there are some reasons why this might make sense. GRIP is actually the uh, HSP90 protein in a part of the cell called the endoplasmic reticulum, uh, which is a bit like a combination factory and shipping center for the cell, makes proteins, ships them out to other places. So I guess maybe that's like from the endoplasmic reticulum, but like this is huge. There are tons of proteins in that. Why is this the one that got named after the endoplasmic reticulum, and why does nobody call it that anymore? It doesn't make any sense. So. For this episode, I want to talk about scientific names.
2: Yeah, I I feel like um, there's, like, within science, like, let alone being outside of it and not actually working in it, like, there's so much confusion about names and, like, why we choose names. And it seems like a lot of the time, um, it's really just, like, whoever discovered it first.
0: Hey, hey speaking of names, what's yours? Maybe we should introduce yourself. Oh, yes.
2: Yes, I should. Um, yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Joe. I'm uh, a cancer researcher. Um, that, that's me. Um, so I, I got a little uh, amped up about this. Um, but yeah.
3: And I'm Lauren. I'm also a cancer researcher. And I've got some interesting names that I want to talk about. I'm Sarah. I'm an orthopedic medical
1: assistant.
4: And I'm Maya. I am a graduate student studying molecular and cell biology. And yeah, excited to hear about some fun nonsensical or perhaps sensical scientific names today. You
1: know what's funny is when I was looking this up, there's a lot more than I thought. I came across a lot more interesting and very convenient names that scientists have thought up of for many different things. So I'm interested to hear what everybody's brought to the table.
0: I, I was I was actually prepping this like a few days ago, and today in a lecture I was in, or a, I should say, like a, a meeting I was in, someone had mentioned that apparently a bunch of fly, a bunch of neurons are just named after their location in a fly chromosome, which makes no sense to anyone who's not working with flies, but apparently that's a thing too. So this is all over the place.
1: Do you remember the names? It's like
0: twenty-five B or something. Okay. I don't remember the exact name or the number I, I, I don't work with flies or neurons <laughs> but it was weird and someone was like where did the name come from and so it was like start explaining it so this is like a, this is a serious problem in science so
3: that's interesting I um, I actually was reading about scientific names and what Joe was mentioning earlier I think it's true that if a scientist discovers something it's their choice like they get to name the animal the organism the molecule um unless there's like other requirements it's up to them and so i was reading about this evolutionary biologist his name is mark Schürz. um he's from germany and i guess he was out in uh, march last year he was out in madagascar and he discovered a new genus of tiny, tiny frogs. And so these frogs are all less than two centimeters. Oh
2: my gosh! And
3: he named the species Minimum, like first name Minnie, last name Mum, Cha <laughs> and skule um, Oh my god! Yes, I've so, heard of these. Oh my god! Yeah, and this he is
2: great. Had,
3: yeah he was like. These frogs are informally known as (laughs) microfrogs, but he, when asked by National Geographic, why did you name these uh, microfrogs such, he said, and I quote, "Um, so much about science is dry. If there's anything we can do to make our science more approachable, we should do it. And I honestly feel like that really aligns with our mission as well, and our idea behind this podcast episode, so I thought that was pretty cool. Heck I yeah. like it a lot. Sorry, Joe.
2: <laughs> oh no, I was just excited. I think that's really funny. And yeah, also I true.
1: I like it a lot. I think. Um, well, it's interesting. So I have a question based on that. I don't know if you know the answer, but does that mean that he created the whole mini genus, or is, and is that something that can be added to in the future, or was that pre-existing? Also, I think taxonomy is really cool. When we say genus and species, there are many different ways that um, biologists have decided to classify things. And I feel like it usually comes up with species. Usually there's two names in Latin. Um, The first one is usually capitalized, and that's something called a genus. It's kind of like a class. Um, And then species, well, class is even more broad. I won't say that. It's a way of specifying an animal or a species. And then uh, the actual species name is the last one that you'd see. Um, so I, I do have a f- fun few of those. So I'll pop those in here and there throughout the episode.
2: So just to clarify, what you're saying is uh, the first the first word in the like animal name is like a broader classification. And then the second is a more narrow classification
1: exactly yeah. and even beyond that there's even broader classifications mm-hmm. um so we've really distilled by the time we get to the name of a species we've really distilled it down into exactly what group it's in i'll say mm-hmm.
0: and and yet these things get pretty nasty when you get into like bacteria that are constantly swapping dna back and forth so like there's a lab i i've interacted with that does a lot of like uh like Making like evolutionary trees of things, and when it comes to bacteria, just, like, it's, like it's like just a side. I feel like whenever you look at that, this is like give up hope. All you enter here, like there's <laughs> th- there this constant like yeah. So like this gene that is important is essential for its survival. Yeah, that one that one comes actually from an entirely different like class of bacteria, but it just turns out they stole it. We don't know why. <laughs> exactly. Like so.
3: Sarah, I'm interested to hear uh, what the names are that you came across. Sure.
1: So the first one I'll bring up, and I'm gonna—I'll link this article to either the episode or put it on the blog. Um, so there's a genus called Camera, spelled with K. Wait, what? So there's something called Camera lens. So it's K-A-M-E-R-A is the genus, and then lens as you'd oh my spell God. lens. Um, and it is a single celled organism. Um, so the article says it was in 1991 when scientists must have thought, hey, we should use a camera lens to see this better. <laughs> and I don't know if that's necessarily true around the naming. I'd have to dig deeper into it, but I think that's a fun one.
0: <laughs> it's take a very certain kind of lens. I can't get pictures of single celled organisms with my camera. I tried with C. elegans once, but I managed to misplace the part I needed. That was real fun. To get C. elegans are round Oh yeah. Yeah. C. elegans is Caenorhabditis. I don't know how to pronounce his first name, elegans. Um so that's a lot of times.
4: I don't know how to say it either. But there's like several letters in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we everyone likes to abbreviate the genus name if they can get away with it, like uh um E. coli. E. coli, yeah, being the good one. Mm-hmm. Poor poor Philip Escherich, getting his name knocked out of there.
1: (laughs) Real quick fun fact, uh, camera lens is the only species in the genus camera. So if any of you decide to, you know, go out and discover a new uh, multi or unicellular bacteria species, maybe you can add to the genus.
0: Maybe.
2: (laughs) Well, it has to be kind of biologically related to camera lens,
0: right?
1: Yes, that's true. You could mm-hmm. you could try to find that. Mm-hmm. Maybe use your sequencing.
0: <laughs> I just want to clarify. There's no way Escherich's first name is Philip. There's no way I'd remember that. It was probably like <laughs> Gustav or something. <laughs> I'm not gonna I, I bother necessarily looking up. I'm just proud that I remembered Escherich was a person. So so E. coli the if you really want to scold E. coli, its full name is Escherichia e. coli. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, just
4: equalize, fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what all his friends and
0: enemies and everyone else called it.
4: Yeah, uh, what I think is cute about the camera lens is that um, they made the choice to do it with a K instead of a C for camera. Um, and I don't know, for some reason that just reminds me of like the Kardashians. <laughs> it's funny. It's a choice to have a K name, so that'll be cute. Maybe there could be like, I don't know, like camera vlog could be like a new one. <laughs> Camera shot, camera. Mm, I don't know. the The possibilities are endless, and so is biology. So that's really
0: beautiful. It was hard to find if be camera shy. Oh,
4: oh, I like that one. I like
0: that. One. That was such a bad joke. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Most of these names are.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is funny is like a lot of the ones I came across, and I'll I'll tell you another one later. A lot of them don't spell them correctly. Uh, and I don't know if they're just doing that to be funny or if they're trying to be more sleuthy with the name. Obviously, once you say the name and even see the name, you're like, okay, I know exactly mm-hmm. what that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. I don't know if they're trying to make it look more fancy or what the motivation there is.
4: Your They're secret Kardashian fans. That's why.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone.
0: I mean, there was also the whole thing of like trying to make it look like it's Latin, but none of it's actually Latin.
1: Exactly. That's, that's what I was... Trying to get I
0: I don't know if that's true. But I don't know, would, it, would K be more Latin-ish? I don't know. know Latanic? Latanic. <laughs> 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 Break it up parts too. <laughs> it's been a week already.
1: <sighs> so does anyone else have any fun names?
2: Yeah, I have one. Uh, this actually stems from the fact that I... Whenever I'm in bright sunlight and look kind of Uh, somewhat indirectly at the sun i I never stare directly at the sun um i
0: sneeze
2: i sneeze great job um and so uh my girlfriend pointed it out to me and she just thought it was really funny Uh, i thought it was funny but i also was trying to figure out why do i do that like why does my dad do that um why do but my mom doesn't um, why, why do, why, why does it, do some people do it, some people don't, because um, it seems to be, like, an actual thing, like, I've seen multiple other people do it, and so I did, I, I googled sneezing at the sun, and I came up with this really, really funny, um, biomedical term, um, one sec, I need to actually, I can't remember the full name of it, um, so let me just pull it up here real quick. Um, it's called Autosomal Dominant Compelling helioophthalmic Outburst Syndrome. Um, and autosomal dominant, meaning, like, if you... It's associated with a gene, and you only need one copy of that gene to have the trait. Um, so I probably got the gene from my dad. Um, and, uh, ophthalmic uh, that has to do with the sun and, um... Some, some neurobiology, I think. Ophthalmic
1: um, is eye, so yeah. I think uh, oh, sun eye okay. it kind yeah. of goes to. Makes
2: mm-hmm. sense. Um but yeah, scientists abbreviate it as Achu syndrome. Um How even though it's not, Yeah, even though it's not like actually perfect like a perfect abbreviation, they've just decided to call it Achu syndrome. Um and apparently uh, Achu syndrome is uh, associated with like this one uh, single uh, mutation uh, where just like one rung in the DNA ladder has been switched to something different. Um, and they think it has to do with the fact that uh, your nerves like kind of develop a little differently. So the nerves in your eyes are a little more connected to the nerves in your nose. So when um, you get sunlight um, and a lot of stimulation in your eyes, um you feel like you're about to sneeze which is yeah um uh, i don't know yeah. i just found that really
4: <laughs> i really thought it's cool how um you're talking about like how it's not a perfect abbreviation but the scientists in question were like we see the opportunity and we're going to take it
2: absolutely absolutely it's too good to
4: pass up
0: mm-hmm. well we also just pronounce things funny so like i was talking about grip the protein i work with this is grp there's no vowels in there it could be grop. it could be gorp <laughs> like it could be gripe we, we chose grip though so uh
4: i think that's always funny because like um whenever we do like journal clubs or like we read papers together um in my lab um and we're seeing like the names of like genes and proteins out loud for the first time I'm like, oh, that's how other people are saying it. This is completely different from how I was saying it in my head.
3: Yeah, that happens to me on a regular basis. Or I hear, you know, people in the lab or around like on my floor talking about a certain gene they work with and they call it, you know, like GRIP. And then I see them present on it and I'm like, that's not GRIP, that's GRP. I was like, this is not what I was imagining the past year that I heard you talking about this gene.
0: Oh, so you're um, not one of the cool kids then?
3: No, I'm clearly not. I'm a <laughs> cold-hearted scientist. Clearly, I'm not cool. You don't
2: have, <laughs> scientists don't have feelings. So, clearly
0: not.
1: <laughs> I, I don't can, remember- I start a, can I start a quick debate? Sure. Unless, unless Sam, you were going to talk about... Oh, your-
0: I was just going to say that I, I've been there for one of those names. Like, I've been there for when it started. We were working with these proteins that had been previously uncharacterized. I think I was actually the first person to purify it, but like to clarify, this was the easiest protein purification I've ever done. So, like, this was not... I didn't do any, like, heavy lifting here, but um, it was just, like, some weird, obscure protein, and we'd figured out that it might be doing something, and so, like, we went from the abbreviation where it was being kept in the, the databases and we had like already come up with a fun name for it and i think there were only like probably at the time like four of us actually looking at it and this was like it's, it's public now but i think at the time it was like under an nda so we were definitely the only four people who we could talk to about it and we already had a nickname for it like it was already doomed to have a funny name uh but yeah you can go ahead sarah i just i just wanted to say like i've been there for that and it really is just as much like oh this is what the cool kids call it <laughs> like this is really what it's- happens
1: No, totally. It's such a subjective experience. And that kind of ties into the debate I'm going to bring up. So there's a word um, in biology that describes cell death, and it's spelled A-P-O-P-T-O-S-I-S. And there is debate, at least from what I've seen, on how it's pronounced. So I say apoptosis. A lot of people say apoptosis. I will die on my
3: apoptosis Seat.
0: wait what um, no yes. you you were wrong and just
2: throwing I had, that out there
3: we can <laughs> no longer be friends it's we apoptosis no you apoptosis. are
2: objectively incorrect <laughs> i really don't think
3: so i think it's apoptosis
1: i could be wrong i i will admit but i had a really good biology professor who was very knowledgeable who was adamant apoptosis I
0: okay
3: so apoptosis is uh cell death how about the other cell death mechanism autophagy
0: we already did well, we're gonna relitigate this was that just like our last episode oh my god i've,
3: <laughs> I've only i've only
1: ever heard autophagy thank you oh it might- my lots Says autophagy
4: all the way autophagy
2: no that's just not allowed oh okay that's just not I think, allowed
1: you know what's funny i think it might depend what country you come from because I think certain, like, regions of the world put their emphasis on different, like, syllables, right? So maybe if you're overseas, you would be more autophagy.
2: That, and also, I think, what research field you're in. That's I, true. I, I, think, I think different research fields, just because of the people you know, will actually pronounce words a little differently. Um, I don't know for sure, but that's, that's my sense
1: It's funny. I've always wanted to, like, dig into where the words actually come from. I mean, I think most are probably based in either Greek or Latin, but based on those rules of pronunciation, what's the quote-unquote real way of pronouncing these scientific words?
0: Yeah, but, like, also, like, we do this, everyone does this regionally. It's not right or wrong. I mean, linguistics would say, well, okay, I'm not a linguist, but I like linguistics, and I feel like a linguist, not that I, there's one here, so I'll play one for tv i feel like they'd say that they're all correct i mean like right like language is how people speak it right not it's like there's definitely people who like you know they go around calling soda pop or some other ridiculous thing that is clearly wrong from my perspective <laughs> or uh <laughs> you're contradicting yourself i agree with your i know that was, that was a joke <laughs> that was i was clearly sarcastic or or aunt versus aunt uh right we all have different ways of saying things and the scientific communities they're not split the same regional ways we do, but, like, you know, there might as well be a regional split between molecular biologists and chemists, right? Right. It's
1: no different. It's still words at the end of the day.
2: Maya, do you have any interesting names to share?
4: Yeah, you bet I do. So, um... If you did not know this about me, I am a huge Pokemon fan. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, <laughs> so I personally do not work with the protein I'm going to mention, mm-hmm. but I found it purely um, just on the internet, like probably on some like clickbait article. Um, but I was so excited to find out that there is a cute little protein in our cells called pikachu mm.
1: <laughs> I love that.
4: So for those of you who don't know, um, Pikachu is like one of the best Pokemon (laughs) and um, we can probably like pop up a picture or I can describe it, but Pikachu is like that little yellow mouse Pokemon. Um, He's like the big mascot um, for Pokemon. So you'll often see him like in the games and on the Pokemon like TV shows and like in different advertising. So he's just like the thing that represents Pokemon. Um, so as a child, I grew up with Pokemon very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I was really excited to see that scientists um, all around the world also grew up with Pokemon near and dear to their heart. Um, so the way that Pikachuin got its name is, um, basically Pikachuin was discovered by scientists in Japan. Um, and they discovered this protein. Um, that is responsible for helping transmit signals um, from our eyes um, to our brain. And so they found that if we have this protein, um, these signals um that are converting like the light that we see into electricity that um allows our cells to talk to each other um and allows us to see. Um if this protein is around, those signals are transmitted like super fast. Um, so this is really important for how we can see and perceive things. Um so scientists that discovered this protein decided to name it pikachu um, because of the speed at which um, it enhances the signal transmission. So Pikachu is also like a really fast and nimble Pokemon. Um, and it is also an electric type, um, if you guys didn't know. So it it's in <laughs> really nicely um, with the whole theme of transmitting signals, um, electrical signals specifically, um, from cells in your eyes to cells in your brain. Um, So I thought that was super cute. (laughs) And I think that um, it was just like really wholesome to see somebody just like representing their favorite Pokemon out there, um, immortalizing it forever. Um, as the name of a protein. Um, So I think it just kind of like is a cute little tale of like how scientists come from a lot of different places and they have a lot of like different hobbies and backgrounds um, and that can often shine through in the names that they choose um, to assign to things that they discover. Um, And so also yeah I just, I guess it's just like another perk of like discovering something new and you get to like name it like whatever the heck you want.
1: <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> so that's the tale of Pikachu Rin, um, which is our cute, cutest, fastest, speediest protein.
1: <laughs> I like that one a lot too, because it has like a cultural link. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the ones we've talked about so far are kind of a play on words. But that one is rooted in culture and what someone's either hobby was or a little passion on the side. And I, I like that.
0: Actually, I think I heard recently about a, uh, um, a caterpillar or something that was named after a podcast host. So, hey, if you all actually like make us famous, we have a, we, I have a chance. Even if I don't discover anything, I still have a chance of things <laughs> getting named after me.
2: I want a caterpillar named after me.
4: Yeah, I also think it's it's so funny because like, um, oftentimes, like scientific names are like long and intimidating. Um, but if you have something like Pikachu in, you get like, you know, the upper echelons of academia, just like talking about this protein named after Pikachu. And, like, <laughs> and it's like That's kind right. of a funny sight to see. Um, so it really is a way to just kind of like cement what you love in history forever. <laughs>
3: that's really cool yeah i think that this is maybe not as um like culturally um relevant but i know that there was a scientist who discovered a new species of tarantula in california and i believe it was uh found near the california prison that was a setting of johnny cash's "Folsom prison blues And so they named the uh, tarantula Johnny Cash, I, and the scientist who named it actually had a tattoo of Johnny Cash. And so he was like, this is really cool that I got to have this. I think everything just like aligned up well for him. And again, he was, he, um, said, um, you know, we're describing diversity on the planet, but it should still be fun. And I feel like that really. That really aligns with what we're trying to do here. Trying to make science fun.
2: Totally. No. I, uh, honestly, um, I, there, there's another protein, which honestly I I should have thought of first because I work with it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's called Schlafen 12. Um, Schlafen, uh, after the German word for sleep. And the reason being, um, that uh, when these this class of proteins was first found, they uh, they made cells go to sleep, and so they decided to call them schlafens, which I think is just really funny. <laughs> hmm. But yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Like that's like it's always interesting to see like where the name of the stuff you work with comes from. Um, I think yeah. There's I think a few more people I think have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about speaking of. Speaking of video game characters, there's a really famous protein out there. I think I, don't, I didn't actually dig into this all that much, but I think one of our favorite names is uh, named after another speedy fictional character, perhaps the most famous speedy fictional video game character, uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. But uh, <laughs> I think I think someone needs to actually explain this because this is a, this is probably even more prominent than uh, than uh, Pikachu. In uh. yeah.
4: Sonic hedgehog is actually, like, super important.
3: <laughs> yeah. the uh, So hedgehog signaling um, is a pathway that actually is um, in cancer. So uh, the HH, that's what they call the protein, um, actually drives cell growth. And so when there's mutations in it, it can cause cancer. But I actually learned that it is not named after sonic hedgehog sadly but this uh protein was first discovered in uh, flies so and they saw that flies that had a mutation in the hedgehog protein looked like hedgehogs and so they were like oh we'll call this hedgehog signaling
0: but wasn't isn't one of the proteins named sonic hedgehog in like the hedgehog family
2: I think I think so. Wait, let me, let me let me just pull this up real quick.
0: You can buy recombinant, so like bacterially produced, sonic human sonic hedgehog protein. So just a quick Google seems to indicate that uh, actually, sonic hedgehog is really important, and apparently is according to one of the first things that came up when I looked it up, important for tooth generation. So if you don't have a, sonic hedgehog, you don't get teeth or something.
1: Yeah. As far as I know, it's a pretty elemental, like developmental protein that it's, it's very important actually. And I think our development and the development of many other species, because all of those genes are pretty much conserved. So yeah, but I'm, I don't know. I I don't know if it's its own family or if it's the one thing.
2: I, I, I got it. Um, so HH, there are three, actually three HH genes. There is, um, Give give me a second here. There's Desert Hedgehog, Indian Hedgehog, and Sonic Hedgehog.
0: (laughs) Two of those sound like real hedgehog species, and one of them sounds like uh, a video game character. Mm
4: -hmm. I think the reason why it's named after Sonic Hedgehog was because I think the other two hedgehogs are, like, real. (laughs) Um, And then they needed, like, another kind of hedgehog to, like, name it after, and then the researcher... In question was like, oh, my kids are playing a lot of Sonic lately, so
2: <laughs> well, just ac- name it Sonic. <laughs> According to uh, this one source, I, I actually, I've heard multiple different stories about how this got its name, but apparently um, the gene was named as such by Robert Riddle, um, who was a postdoctoral fellow at some lab and his wife came home one day with a gaming magazine that had an advertisement for Sonic the Hedgehog, but I don't know if that's actually true or not. Uh, Because I've also heard that, like, there was one kid who, like, wrote Sonic Hedgehog on his test, and, like, that is something, like, to name a protein, and then his, like, older brother, like, decided to actually classify a protein, so he'd get, like, a good grade. There's there's a lot of, like, mythology that I don't know how true it is.
3: Interesting. Um, I can can corroborate Maya's story, because that's the one, yeah.
2: Okay, okay. But...
3: I feel like this just goes to show that there's a bunch of scientists sitting in lab and they're like, Hmm, we believe Sonic got its name this way.
0: Oh, yeah. Like the the like little ridiculous in stories, like it the, the uh I'm I'm sure there there are there are uh people from both teams on the uh, who discovered CRISPR debate, which does a whole other thing. So if that's yeah, I, I could just I see I see Maya making faces already.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, oh man, I think CRISPR we should leave for another time. Oh yeah, we should leave uh, it for another time. <laughs> for just for context, it's a really cool gene editing technique that came around in like twenty thirteen. But there's but, a... like phil- oh, go ahead, Sam. What were you say? Oh, like philosophically speaking, I think there's there's a lot in a name. Um, oh yeah. So yeah,
0: and I, uh... <laughs> it just yeah. I, I, I was trying to dig into one more name. Uh, I oh, think sure. I, I don't know if anyone has anything else to share but uh
1: I do I'll I'll take it away with any of the dumb puns whenever you guys are ready right. oh, yeah.
0: so uh <laughs> Do you, you want to wrap up with that cuz I I've one more I've one more I've one more thing to dig into yeah. I dug into so
1: I can I can wrap it up go ahead
0: So um I think the thing that I wanted to kind of stress with this episode I think we were talking about this is like uh, names in science—they're frustrating even to scientists. So, like, if you encounter something that doesn't make any sense, um, it's okay—you're not the only one. Um, and so, I was uh, when I was an undergrad, I was working with a lab that uh, worked with a protein that um, has a bunch of what are called ring domains in it. So, if you've never—if you're not familiar with like looking at a protein structure, which I—I I doubt many non-scientists are. There's a way of drawing proteins that is like you kind of like have like squiggles, so you can draw like there's parts of proteins called alpha helices that are like helical, they're they're like a corkscrew, and then there's beta sheets which we draw as like straight lines with little arrows on the end to point which way they're going, Um, and uh, these diagrams are called like Richardson diagrams or more commonly like just the cartoon view, Um, and uh, so like I was looking at one of these of a protein that uh, is a uh, a. it, it does, it sticks these things called ubiquitins on other proteins, and those are just like, you know, like garbage stickers, like send this to the trash, kind of like, that's their kind of the role. And this protein is in particularly, it was like a ring family, uh, uh, ubiquitin ligase, and I was like thinking ring, okay, so this is a structural thing, and it is a ring domain is a structural feature on a protein. So I'm like looking through all the squiggles and corkscrews and lines and things, and like looking at it I'm like, huh, so where's the ring domain? So like we have these things. There's other structures that have names. So like a beta barrel. So those sheets are called beta sheets. And it's like a barrel made out of beta sheets. Or you have like a coiled coils where those helices are like wrapping around each other. It's a coil made out of coils. Makes sense. So I'm thinking of ring domain. I'm looking for a circle. I'm looking for like a donut, right? I'm figuring a ring domain is going to look kind of like a donut. And I'm like, turn this protein structure around and I see no donuts. I'm like, what on earth is going on here? And it turns out that ring is actually an acronym. And like all these cute names where it's just like oh you know this is uh a chew or something well ring is a bad one ring stands for really interesting new gene they didn't know this structure it was just like oh we God. found this thing it's really interesting and i decided to dig into this because it was making me angry like so looking through the history of it and I honestly couldn't figure out why they called it really interesting new gene, The first paper to name it had already kind of started to call it, they called it ring one really interesting new gene one was the protein they were looking at. And this was like in the early nineties when like computers were finally getting to the point where you could like build databases and search them like regularly. And this paper was actually like a computer search program. So they'd found this really interesting new gene and they were searching it on this big old Fortran program on a big mainframe computer that, you know, was the size of my apartment or something. I don't know. Um, and, uh, so they were just looking for this really interesting new gene as like a target sequence or something. And the name stuck much to my, you know, undergraduate level research confusion, looking at the structure, looking for a donut that never existed. Um, and like, this is a really important structure. It's in proteins that, uh bind to metals to so, like these are things that like are really common. They do things like work with DNA. They um, you know, are really important for like cancer and cell survival and all sorts of things like that. And they have they're called ring family proteins and they're really interesting new gene family. And it's really aggravating, but it exists and someone decided to troll the rest of us really good. Um, so It's really aggravating new gene yeah the rang domain <laughs> rang <laughs> it's not new anymore so it'd be like wrong <laughs> really, <raug. laughs> really aggravating old gene oh my god <laughs> it was not it was not fun uh but you know that's a thing apparently i apparently got hazed by some guy from the 90s sam how uh, many
1: how many so, genes are in the family do you know
0: oh there's like hundreds this is like a huge protein family like so there's a lot of really interesting new genes they're not new anymore
1: they're I' know not new in an
0: evolutionary <laughs> sense or anything. They're just in genes. they're just they're just there. It's just this guy. this person was just like looking through a bunch of DNA sequences and like, this is a really interesting new gene. And like they couldn't think of anything better. They couldn't have called it like, I don't know, you know, Professor Eggman or something, like anything, anything different. <laughs> like they couldn't have called it like Mario and Luigi. Just come up with like some funny name that isn't confusing, it's just weird. no, it had to, it had to be something that means something that wasn't there so i I guess I spent this time venting about bad scientific names, but if you all are ever doing research uh or like just like looking stuff up like don't don't let that discourage you it's it's probably just as ridiculous as it looks. <laughs> so
1: yeah, definitely don't let anything intimidate you, and I will take it home with some food for thought and some horrible horrible puns that scientists have made so get ready i have a lot of them um there is something uh genus vini v-i-n-i and then the species name is vidi vici so vini vidi vici um which translates to i came i saw i conquered however the species is now extinct um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, which I don't know if they conquered, but th- that's quite all right. Um, the next one is the genus Agra. There is agrophobia, there's an agra sasquatch, there's an agra yeti, there's an agra Ichabod, and my personal favorite aggravation. Um, and oh these God. are all types of beetles. <laughs> A lot of insects I find I find have the very funny. Just totally out their names.
0: <laughs> There's a lot and of then, insects, right? <laughs> there are a you lot of be insects. Looking, running out of names.
1: I have one last genus that is probably my favorite. Um, it's spelled G E L A E. So, again, kind of an interesting spelling. But uh, once you see the other half of the species, you know exactly what it is B A E N, jelly bean. Um, or however they want to pronounce it, jelly bean or gele bean. I'm not sure. Um but there is also a jelly roll, R O L, a jellyfish, uh, a jelly belly, so G-E-L-A-E, B-E-L-A-E, and a jelly donut. Also beetles. Wow. You're welcome. I'll so, take applause now. <laughs> it's not so they're wh- awful names, but they're hilarious and i think it's important to have that in science i actually really like that a lot
2: yeah so i i think we've we've kind of seen that there there really is quite a lot that's going into names here um and yeah anyone have some final takeaway points for our our audience or some thoughts
1: i think the big lesson here is Try not to feel intimidated by names that look difficult to pronounce, because they may just say Jelly Bean. And maybe there is a f- broader story behind that and goes more into depth, but also sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes the names behind things are very disputed, like Sonic Hedgehog. So I think as you move forward into looking at different scientific names, um, just know that the community is pretty approachable, and try not to be too intimidated.
0: Thanks for listening! We are now hosted on most major podcast platforms, including Audible, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, so make sure to subscribe. We should also be on Apple Podcasts soon. For more content, you can follow us on YouTube at Interactome Media, read our blog post about cancer at interactomedia.org, and join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter at The Interactom, and on Instagram at interactom underscore media. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode and science in general, as well as what you'd like to see next. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. I'm really excited for what we have planned.